it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Or good evening. Or good good midday. I am um, watching the sunrise. I haven't done that in a little while, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. And It's early morning, so we might be stumbling over our words yes. earlier for Sabrina over on the, <laughs> on the West Coast. But this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And Hello. I am Sabrina. I feel like we should do some uh, vocal warm-ups. Ma, 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 ma. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Sandy sells seashores by the seashore. I don't know why it's always um Peter tongue twisters. Parker picked a peck of pickled peppers. What were the yeah, other ones? It's always tongue twisters. We we're such theater kids. Zip zap zop. Zip. Oh, oh that was the best game. Zip zip. <laughs> and then what what's that? You just keep going like this. Zap. Zop, yeah. Right. There's no like actual different moves. No. I loved that game. That was, that was fun. so fun. Being a theater kid, I wasn't actually a theater kid really. I took like one or two classes in middle school, and high school, and then just somehow ended up as a theater major and at LMU. But well, because you wanted to pursue acting, so that makes sense. Yeah, but remember, I never applied to be a theater major. I don't know that I did. I uh, no, you're right. I did have to submit a tape. Yeah, mine was accidental. I just ended up and I did not. It was to meet put me. It as an option on my application, like nothing. Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever knew that. It was a complete accident. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, that's why I fate. was. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do a theater minor, and I immediately switched to undeclared because I wanted to be a psych major, but you couldn't be a psych major at LMU unless you took basically all of the classes that were required to be a minor. So I first had to. I basically couldn't actually declare my major until junior year. Interesting. Okay. Even though I was working towards it the whole time. Wait, this makes it so much better. I feel like, and this is the narrative I'm going to go with for the rest of my life, I'm convinced that you were assigned to be a theater major in order to meet me. (gasps) I mean, I feel like, why else would I have been (laughs) in the theater? That's so, it's weird. It's random. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. So I I agree with you. I think so too. I agree. I'm going to get a little more. I know I have my little warm koala with me and Leia wrapped myself in a blanket uh, today. Yeah, that's cozy. Real comfy. I love Couch City. It's so nice. I'm just going to be a little, little potato. A little couch potato. A little couch potato. Oh, I really, I told you, I teased you about this on our mini Patreon live stream campfire stories, as we called it. Mm-hmm. I went to a, it's called Next Level. It's in Santa Monica. And this guy, Joe, who started the company or started the place, does mm-hmm. holistic postural therapy. And his story is so fascinating. The experience was incredibly fascinating. I grew half an inch. He has studied so many different types of practices. Like he studied Reiki, he studied sports therapy. I'm sure there's a whole does he, list of things. Does he take your height before and after? Yes. Like how do you know that you grew? Yeah, he does before okay. and after. He does photos and like based on your line of gravity. 
I truly felt lighter afterwards because based on my line of gravity, my head was so much more forward, which then means pressure wise, my head was weighing way more than Mm -hmm. it would if it was just straight up on my line of gravity. And you've only been one time. I've only been one time. It's a 90 minute session. It was so, I mean, his story is also incredible. I was like, so do you believe in the paranormal? Because he was telling me, so he was a fighter for 10 years and he was hurting people for his living and he basically could feel people's energies and he knew where to hurt them which helped him in his career Mm -hmm. but then he had like a dream one night and realized he was not doing what he should be doing he should stop hurting people and help people and that he has the ability to help people's bodies and so he completely just like changed his life. And I asked him, I was like, how old were you when that happened? And he said, 28. And I said, have you heard of Saturn return? Because it happens from 28 to 31. <laughs> and I was You're like, right. It lines up. Because it's somewhere Saturn return is what? Every 28 to 29? Or like 28 to between 31. The age of yeah. 28. And, okay. Yeah. Everyone will go through it. Mm-hmm. Mine starts in February, you know. You, oh, you know that for sure? I looked it up because I was nervous after everything you've been through. <laughs> so. Yeah, it starts in February. All right. But I'll be fine. Well, we'll hold your hand through it. I'm great at ignoring things. (laughs) (laughs) We are all here to support you. And you have a sweatshirt you can wear proudly. Everyone will know. Yes. But that's incredible. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe. He's also had so many dreams. But this is so cool. So he was – it's a lot of pressure point or pressure work. So he would feel around my body Mm -hmm. and then hold pressure. And I had to breathe through it. So it was like up to two minutes of me breathing through it until the pressure – Oh, wow. Until my body basically released the pressure. And he said the body communicates with him. So he would – feel where my body holds joy and where my body holds trauma. And he, and there was truly on my left side, I guess is connected to my digestive system. And he was pressing on one area. Truly the second he starts pushing down, my stomach went. And he was like, yay. (laughs) And then there was another place where he saw a little baby, like a, like a baby. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. I just got an image of a baby. We're constantly thinking you're pregnant on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> like I'm literally bleeding. Non-stop. I'm literally bleeding right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know what the baby would be. Could it be the future or could it just be – could it be like you healing your inner child since that's yeah, what be. you're doing so much of? It really could be. And he also like pressed that's on the so vega nerve. I think that's what it's called. In your mouth – in my mouth. Like, mm-hmm. And I felt like ringing in my ear. It was so fascinating. I'm going to ask him a lot more questions Wow. He's in dreams. He he has a lot of experience in experiences in his dreams. And he said he basically started doing this, but didn't understand it. And he was hearing these messages from the body and it was working, but he didn't understand how it was working. So he kept asking in in his sleep, will you explain to me? And he would get messages in his dreams. I'm just flabbergasted I know. right now because it feels like the government <laughs> should have caught on to this and captured him and like put him down in some sort of holding cell because it sounds him like down tr- truly magical like this he is, is otherworldly yeah magic that is coming through him i know he's so healing and that's so incredible and i'm just so curious like i mean how well, to start how often are you supposed to go i'm gonna go once a week for at least a month and then see how it goes. Mm-hmm. They also offer massages there. So I'm like, maybe I'll do both. <laughs> yeah, you should. They have you like a package and you can do three sessions cheaper than just buying individually. Are there other people that work there? Is he the only one or is there it like are, a team of healers? So I think he is training someone else, but he is the one who primarily does his practice, which is holistic postural therapy. Mm-hmm. They also have a recovery room, like ice bath and um, sauna or heat room. I don't know. And then they have massage on top of it. I just feel like it would be a very difficult task to train other people unless they also had this sort of psychic ability and channeling ability. Because how do you – it's one thing to – you know, like Chinese medicine is so incredibly powerful. There are so many things that are like even my family. I'm, I grew up with my mom sending me and my brother like every September or October to go get reflexology done so that mm-hmm. we wouldn't get sick over the winter, like stuff like that. There's there's so many amazing practices. I know. But 
it's one thing to learn the technique and where different pressure points are and like where those things are attached or how other parts of your body respond. But it's another thing to psychically see where something is presenting and be able to tend to that area. You can't train that. No. And he feels your emotions too. Like when I came in immediately, he was like, I feel like your body is so tight up here. Like your heart hurts. You hold pressure like in your upper body. And he's like, I feel it. And I was like, and it's so strange because in all of my somatic therapy in um, the therapy program I've been doing, which my last day is tomorrow, which is wild. But every time I'm doing somatic therapy and, and my therapist goes, where do you feel it? It is here, my heart and my chest. Like for him to chest. immediately know that, to feel that without any context, without me saying yeah. anything. It's just, it's um, incredible. I mean, I can't believe that that he was fighting before. I know. And had all of these abilities. I mean, I know he probably leaned into them and they developed way more yeah. after accepting that he needed to, Help to be, people. On, be on the healing yeah. journey instead of the hurting journey. Yeah. But like, I just can't imagine how confusing it must be to enter into your fighting ring and then to just feel all the emotions and like see things on someone. It'd be hard to, to hurt them. I'd want to just go up and... Kiss him. Kiss him. <laughs> a little smooch on each cheek, one on the forehead. You'll be okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I also, okay. because he was taking on my feeling so, you know, intensely, I asked him, I was like, do, do you have someone to do this to you? And he said, he does. But also because he's helping people with release, he experiences the release too, which brings him physical Whoa. joy. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that is <laughs> wild. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Will you ask him next time you go in if he has a network of trusted practitioners? Because I'm curious <laughs> if there's anybody like that in Boston. Yeah, I will. As ask. I'm like hunched over the worst posture ever. I know. I'll ask. It. I think it truly is his own type of. It's his own thing. Postural therapy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's done so much research. So I imagine. I don't know. I mean. Wow. I wonder if he's going to start training people and then spreading the word around the world. Yeah, it's fascinating. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I need to look into this because I told you that I used to go to a chiropractor when I was younger. Yeah. Because I I had a Nordic skiing injury when I was and a traumatic death of a first friend, like all around the same ish time. So I really needed to go to a chiropractor. And my mom sent me to the Rushfords I don't know if they're still practicing in South Burlington, Vermont. And they would do – it sounds similar to what you were talking about, but, like, what you're talking about is so much more intense. Because they would just – they would feel my spine. They would just – it was, like, almost like a little mini massage. It was, like, a little rub down the spine, rub around the neck. Mm -hmm. And then they'd lay me down on a massage table, basically, Mm -hmm. or a chiropractic table. But they had the the little, like, head thing for people to stick their faces (laughs) in. They'd go tap, 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 tap. So it wasn't – they weren't pressing down and having me breathe through it. They were literally just tapping me. That's wild. And then they would leave you on the table for up to 10 minutes. And so you'd mostly be just laying there with like five other people laying on beds next to you. Everyone's just like trying to stay awake Whoa. and breathing. And then at some point, your back would just – my hips would go boom and like shove into place. No one's touching me. That is It just wild. happened. It was like they brought the attention of your body and your own energy to the spaces that needed realignment, and your body was just working like all the gears were doing it themselves. Okay. I feel like we should plan for one of our Patreon lives, we should have someone teach us like Reiki 101. Yeah. I wish I had done my Reiki course more recently. Because you could teach us. I could be the one that teaches us Reiki 101, but it was uh, 12, 13 years ago at this point. Okay, well, let's but let's I did learn. tell you I was looking up Reiki. Let's do it. Classes. Yeah. And I was going to sign up for one again. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Fine. It's a, it's a healing 2023. Yes, it and is. That's what we're here to do. Corinne, mm-hmm. remember how a couple weeks ago we became a true crime podcast for a moment? <laughs> Accidentally, yes. Accidentally. So I weird today, this week, becoming a conspiracy podcast. Ooh. Yes. I will- I feel like we already were. That's true. But this is less paranormal and just straight up conspiracy. And I'm all here for it. I truly. Okay. There, <laughs> I had this idea as I was researching. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my note cards out and I'm going to behind me string up like all these different theories and do red <laughs> string. And I couldn't find any string in my apartment to do this. 
And it's also 6 a.m. And so I did not have time to do it. No, that's okay. We're visualizing yeah, it. Yeah, just imagine it. We're maybe Charlie Day. The our editor, <gasps> maybe our editors can put some type of chart behind me. I don't know. Oh, you know, I, well, I feel like we would have to have like a green screen or something for that. But perhaps in the <gasps> yeah, I should perhaps have, in the future we'll get some like interchangeable. Depending on what we're we're talking about, we should have like different slides oh, where you can just shove I a mean, good background. We can also us. do that on Zoom. We could probably change our background. Oh, that's but true. We could change backgrounds. Any who's it, what's it? This is the story of Polybius the game. It's Polybius. a story of conspiracy, a story of government psychological experimentation, and possibly an example of the Mandela effect. So this is a trifecta. It's got all of the... Uh, the uh, bucket checklists of Two Girls, One Ghost mm-hmm. qualifications of, woo, we're excited to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think of arcade games, you probably think of Pac-Man, Asteroids, Frogger, Street Fighter, Pinball. I think of Chuck E. Cheese and the like amazing striped, colorful, that like that specific pattern carpet. Mm-hmm. And birthdays. Dizzying. And there's just like that sound that you can hear when you think of arcades. Yes. There's like joy, happiness, pleasantry that comes along with the thought of arcades. But there is one arcade game with more nefarious intentions. It is called the Polybius game. Before arcade games and arcades that exist today, there were what was called amusement halls and there was slot machines and pinballs, which was like Mm -hmm. before slot machines became, you know, there was like restrictions around where you could play them and everything. And then a man named Steve Russell created Space War, which was one of the very first video games. It was like a simple game where spaceships fired missiles at each other and it was programmed on a computer. So not a standalone system, which then inspired some engineers to look into like, what if we can create a standalone system that has a video game and is not connected to like a bigger computer module, but it's its own Mm -hmm. individual thing. And like similar to pinball machines, coin operated. And so the very first arcade game, as we know it today, was developed in 1971 by two men who were just like, we're going to make this. We're going to add, be able to make this and it's going to be part of the coin operated arcade system. They came out with a game called Computer Space and went on to co-found Atari together in 1972 Oh, Atari. Atari, yeah. So they really monopolized the market. They then created Pong in 1972, and then arcade games just started taking off. And their company was, you know, just putting out arcade game after arcade game. And there was competitors who were popping up everywhere. And it was just teens, children, even adults were getting so invested in these arcade games that it was just like a way of life now. I feel like it was our version of going to the movies as kids. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. It was a social So we spent a lot of time. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you'd gather there, Mm -hmm. your little gang of hooligans. Gang of hooligans. And go see whatever was in the movies that week. Yeah. And even like the mall, like strip malls. Yes. Strolling the mall. It was a big thing in middle school. I feel like that was like where you kind of flirted with people. They're like, hey, you going to the mall this weekend? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll see you there. Right. Which is so funny because it's like your parents have to bring you there. Mm -hmm. Like you get dropped off. (laughs) Well, <laughs> buy a parent. Will you like, buy it? But then you're like, oh my God, he's in line for McDonald's. Do you see him? Do you see him? Oh my gosh. I hope he buys me an Auntie Anne pretzel. And then we go get those, uh, what were those shoes that had the E on the side of them? They were like skater shoes. Oh my gosh. I never I had, had so a pair. I so many of them. I can't remember what they're called. I was never allowed to, to have them. <gasps> Why? Um, They were expensive. I was a Skechers oh. gal. Skechers, yeah. My mom picked and shoes. I didn't get to ever shop at Limited 2, but for some uh, reason I got to have those those e-skater shoes. I loved Limited 2. Oh my gosh, my mo- Ugh, this is such a tangent, but my mom was like I really got to give her kudos. She dressed my sister and I so well as like kids into, mm. you know, young adulthood or young teen before teenagerhood. Whoa, what words? Um, and I found this picture of my sister and I wearing like these matching blue pleather outfits. And <laughs> I will, I have the photo, so I will, I will send it to Aiden to put it into this video. And I so desperately want to find a replica of it because it is so freaking cute. Wait, I'm going to show it to you right now just so you can visualize. Okay. Yeah. Let's see it. Um, 
Oh, Etnies. Etnies. I, Etnies. It was bothering me that I couldn't remember the name of the show, Etnies. Let's see. I had two pairs of Etnies, if I do remember correctly. I swear I sent it to my sister like just the other day. How? How does it disappear? Mm. Oh, maybe I need to. I'm going to move my blanket over like this so that it's like a shawl and you can see the ghost on the front. Oh, look at that. Okay, I found it. Me. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. Aren't they so freaking cute? No way. And I'm like they have like this is kind of giving me xenon vibes. Yes. And I have been searching everywhere to find something similar to it because I think it's so freaking cute. And I'm wearing like Argyle socks with it. Um and I found Wait, text it to me. Okay. I want to zoom in. And I found it has a couple other photos of my sister and I in it. But um I found on Newly, I found a skirt and jacket of that exact color. Really? It's not quite oh, the same. Oh, you can totally recreate this. I know. I've been looking everywhere. It's so cute. That is so funny. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Yes. Okay. Back to conspiracy theories. Polybius. Polybius. Okay. So, right. Everyone wants to create their own type of arcade game. So that brings about Space Invaders in 1978, which brought about the shoot 'em genre of arcade games. And by the end of the 1970s, arcade games were all the rage. They were booming throughout the marketplace and became a focal point of society, joining pinball in amusement halls, which eventually became arcade halls because of how many arcade games there were. Mm -hmm. And then in the 80s came even more games, Pac-Man being one of the most notable, and the graphics computer modules were becoming more and more complex. Pac-Man was the first mascot character in a game, and then it also had advanced visuals like cutscenes, which, you know, just changed the game in terms of arcade games. Mm-hmm. And so some people call the 80s the decade of the arcade games. People of all ages and genders would gather to play video games. They'd play for hours on ends. Tournaments would happen. There were people who were like, I'm going to play for longer than anyone else. I'm going to stay up all night and play. They would like neglect food and water and going to the bathroom and start hallucinating. Oh, God. They would become addicted, bleary-eyed. They'd lose sleep all in an effort. But you had to get the high Exactly. Score all in an effort to get the highest score. It became a very strange phenomenon that brought into question the human psyche. Like, what was it about these games that was so mesmerizing and addicting? What did it say about us as a species? Blue light screens. Mm -hmm. And also at this time, because these games were so new, I mean, even when I was growing up, my mom would be like, you can't spend so much time playing video games. Like, like it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. So at this time, when all these games are coming out, I kind of view it similar to like a satanic panic where it just became like a, oh my gosh, Satanism is bad. There's like anything that anything bad that happened, they blamed on Satanism. So because of these arcade games being new, I feel like everyone was like, oh my gosh, these are dangerous. This is not good for society. Right. Our children yeah, are going to lose their brain, like minds from this. I remember in the late... 2000s, like 2007, 2009, that period of time too, where there was a lot of still like with video games, still a lot of language being like video games are bad, video games are dangerous, video games are this or that. And then there were some articles starting to come out that measured the response time and the dexterity and the adaptability of kids who did play games. And so there was a lot of like good and and bad that comes with anything like that. But yeah, it is until you have a few decades or a few years to experiment with like how something affects someone or the collective whole, it is kind of like this could be a really bad, scary thing. We just don't know yet. I mean, my brother played so many video games and now he's a mechanical engineer. So apparently it works out. There you go. I remember he used to Mm -hmm. take apart his Xbox and Playstations for fun, just to see how to put them back together. Okay. Well, this makes a lot of sense. It wasn't even about the game. The game was, can you destroy this piece of technology and, and then make put it, it back together? But no, he also loved playing games. Okay. So this idea of video games kind of entrancing people and becoming addicting was, you know, psychologically very interesting. So there was this question of, can we study the human mind through arcade games? And what if the government could make a game that granted them access into the inner workings of civilization? Enter hmm. Polybius. So based on this urban legend slash conspiracy slash Mandela effect, possibly, that I'm convinced is not a legend because I believe everything. 
The arcade game. (laughs) I won't be a help here. Yeah. The arcade game called Polybius was introduced to multiple arcade halls in the Portland, Oregon area. So it truly only existed in this area. Portland was known as one of the hotspots for arcade obsessions and possibly bordering on addictions. So this game was no different, and it actually became even more addicting than other games. It was a black box game with fast action puzzle elements, geometric shapes, patterns, and bright colors. There isn't a ton known about the format of the game because it does not exist today, Mm -hmm. but that is what people remember. And it's probably likely that we don't remember because a lot of players who started playing experienced amnesia after playing Polybius. Wait, that is really freaky. So it's okay with the different shapes of geometric patterns and and all of this stuff happening. Mm -hmm. This is making me think that they entered some sort of hypnosis. Yes, Hold on to that. Huh. Okay. And if everyone's read, or if anyone has read Mr. Mercedes, which is the Stephen King series, there is something similar to that to this in there. There's a, a video game that people play that kind of, in the book, it alters their mind and makes them do things that they would not otherwise do. Mm-hmm. But so one of the side effects was amnesia after playing Polybius. But the side effects of playing the game, once they began, the game weirdly became more popular so there were some people who became so addicted to this game that they would like start fights. People were starting fights over who to play, who can play. Lines were forming around the block all to play this one game. That was built to study the human psyche. Well, we'll see. We'll get to what it was built okay. for. Okay. Fights were not the worst of it. Amnesia was not even the worst of it. Children would come home after an afternoon at the arcade after finally getting to play Polybius and they would eat dinner with their families happily at Happy as a spaghetti and clams. I don't know. Happy as can be. And then when night fell, the trees outside scraping on their window panes, and they finally fell asleep. That is when the real horrors began. After playing Polybius, children's teens or anyone who played would wake up screaming after having horrible, horrifying nightmares. They would have Nightmares of terrifying images creeping into their unconscious minds, images that they never could have thought up themselves, or at least up until that point, up until having played Polybius, have never envisioned before. Nightmares was one of the most common side effects, but there were other side effects that changed people's lives forever. So there were some people who experienced migraines that had never previously experienced migraines and then have had Mm -hmm. migraines ever since. People had strokes seizures, heart attacks, amnesia, and apparently two users even disappeared after playing the game. What? There's a boy, or now he's a man, but his name is Bobby Feldstein. He was a Portland, Oregon resident who grew up playing video games in 1891 and claims to have played Polybius one afternoon at Coin Kingdom. As he left the arcade that day, he claims to have been abducted. He tells of being led through a series of underground tunnels and wasn't found until the next day in the middle of Tillamook State Forest, which was 60 miles away. Okay, what? Yeah. Who the fuck made this game? Because clearly it's doing something. It's sending out some sort of beacon. It's it's putting people into some sort of trance. Mm -hmm. And now everyone's ripe for... I don't know if it's an alien abduction or if it's sort of like a government conspiracy abduction. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there are some theories that we will get to. And then I'm curious to see which one. I mean, there's one that I'm like, oh, it's for sure this. Okay. This guy, Bobby Feldstein, believes that there were some mind-altering effects of the game Polybius. And he was like, my life has never been the same. On a more positive note, there's only one positive note of this. There were a couple players who previously faced addiction to arcade games and after playing Polybius woke up with zero interest and they were like, meh, I don't need, I don't need arcade games. I'm not, I'm no longer addicted. So it's doing something to everyone. Yes. We just don't know what people's response will be, but it's somehow rewiring, rewriting people's realities. Yes. And at its height, Polybius was impacting countless players, putting them into trance-like states, wiping their minds, or causing strange encounters and side effects. Adding to the mystery of this game, 
There were supposedly men in black suits who would every so often enter the arcade and clearly stood out like sore thumbs. Like when you think of arcades, you're not thinking of men in suits. You're thinking of like kids in like Mm t-shirts and shorts and at knees. So these two men in black suits, stern and stoic, walked through hordes of gamers, definitely not trying to fit in, and would aim straight for the Polybius game and attach some kind of machine to it. You know, they were not collecting coins. And I don't know what they said, but I don't know, maybe they were like pretending to be servicing the game. But perhaps they were not servicing it. Perhaps they were gathering data. Because as the legend and numerous stories say, Polybius wasn't just a fun new game. It was a game testing players' responses to psychoactive imagery and effects. Essentially, the government was testing mind control through visual aid, all constructed through an arcade game. Mm -hmm. And the game only lasted for one or two months on the market. It was immediately, pretty much immediately taken away because of how how, uh, intense the side effects were. And it was basically removed from the arcades in Portland, Oregon, and was never spoken of again. And no one has been able to find or figure out where these boxes of the arcade game Polybius have gone, probably destroyed. Um, just poof, just disappeared. Gone. Someone came in, removed all the games at one time. Gone. And that was that? That was that. So all these people that were crazy addicted, just nothing. Yeah, probably had to go back to other games. Wow. There's still a lot to learn. And there are those who remember them and they've tried to track it down, but have not. So what happened to Polybius? What was it? Why was it? And was it real? I also want to know what people's response, what their responses were after having that game removed. Like, did did whoever created this game, did they sort of try to backtrack and, and undemind control or whatever the people who were so addicted to this game? Mm-mm. Well, actually, I know the answer, which is definitely not. Because no. up until like very recently, when we think about like the Stanford experiments and all that sort of stuff like there's there was no care in Mm -hmm. how people tested things on other people experiments the ethics behind them i'm sure people were just ripping their hair out yeah oh no going mad without the game they did not care and and this is leads Mm -hmm. me into my next portion of the story because i am sure everyone remembers mk ultra and mk ultra lasted for 20 years starting in 1953 ending in 1973 which if you remember the 1970s early 1970s is when arcade games began MK Ultra was when the CIA began an illegal human experiment, and its purpose was to find a way to hopefully use mind control and brainwashing techniques on enemies. As a refresher, because I'm sure a lot of people already know what MK Ultra was, it was developed and operated by a chemist named Sidney Gottlieb, who believed that there was a way to achieve mind control with a two step process. The first was blast away the existing mind which was done through shock therapy, LSD, basically given to people without their consent, torture, brainwashing through shock, visual stimulation, etc. And the second Wait, part... Side note. Yes. Have I told you this? That my grandfather what had the LSD tested on him? Yes, you did tell me that. Yeah. It's so messed up. By the US government, they, they said you get a four-day weekend or you get a three-day weekend if you sign up for these experiments. And he and a lot of other people did. At least they had the ability to sign up for it because a lot of MK Ultra was done to unwilling and unknowing subjects. Mm. Well, I think that they were still unknowing. Like they didn't really know what they were taking. Right. Yeah. It's so it's so, so they crazy. were willing, but they were un they weren't given the full context yeah. of what what was to happen to them and what was long term effects, what they were consuming, right. et cetera. I mean, it's just wild that the government CIA, a government agency, was Doing an illegal experimentation. It happens a lot. I know. It's just messed up. It's just messed up. So the first step was blast away the existing mind. And then the second step was to find a way to insert a new mind into that now void. There was a whole lot of the first part being practiced, but there wasn't a whole lot of success with the second part. So to make matters worse, MKUltra, as I was saying, experimented mostly on unknowing and unwilling subjects. The experiments were conducted in American prisons and psychiatric facilities and in detention centers in Japan, Germany, and the Philippines. 
Subjects endured horrific psychological torture, electric shock therapy, and high doses of LSD, and so much more. And it was all for naught. Like, they didn't have success. And so many people died. Like, there's no record of how many people died. But it's countless. Mm -hmm. Like, they were – the records basically say they died from other causes. So there's no way to know for sure who died from these illegal experimentations. And those who did survive, their lives were never the same. Yeah. Eventually, it was shut down in 1973, and the CIA was like, moving on, going to do something new, and they created poisons and high-tech gadgets for spies to use. But some say that the CIA was still very much interested in still exploring and developing techniques for mind control, and that they weren't just developing high-tech gadgets for spy use, but perhaps for experimentation of mind control as well. Again, enter Polybius. So the name Polybius comes from a Greek philosopher, Polybius, who was born around 208 BC, and he was known for his love of cryptography and puzzles and believed that historians should only report on what they can verify through hard evidence. So people believe Polybius the game got its name from this philosopher. It's a puzzle, and it was trying to gather hard evidence, which Mm -hmm. uh, was possibly a test for mind control. That is why on the unknowing yes, public. Exactly. And like youth, total manipulation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, which is why so many people experience mental ailments, amnesia, hallucinations, etc. After playing the game, it was not accidental. It was purposeful. Yeah. And I mean, too, if you're depending on what you want to do with the people that are brainwashed, if you're going to create an army of sorts, who better to do it on than these developing brains of the adolescents? Like, Spy you really kids. Get to. Spy kids. It's spy kids. But a bad, bad version of that. (laughs) So basically the CIA was like, oh, arcade games are super popular right now. What better way to hide in plain sight than use an arcade game for mind control? So after a string of horrific incidents and reports, the government very quickly after one to two months removed the game and never spoke of it again until the early days of the internet, because in 1981, when Polybius entered the arcade system, there was no internet. Mm-hmm. So the story of Polybius resurfaced with the internet in around 1994. There is a post on coinop.org, which is a website that catalogs arcade games, and it reignited the memories of many. It was basically a, ga- a, a post about the game Polybius. And people were like, oh my gosh, I do remember this game. It did exist. I couldn't find it. I've, I've always wondered what happened to this game. Mm-hmm. And so it began this internet craze of like, who remembers this? What's your story? How do we find it? And who created it? First of all, like that's the biggest question. Yeah. In 2006, a man named Stephen Roach claimed to have been involved in the creation of the game. Um, And I think he posted this long post about how they created it and it wasn't created for the intention of um, mind control, but it had mind control effects. So it was basically not not approved and then it never saw it again. But then he's like, but then the government took it from us. I don't know. So this documentarian tracked down the owner of the uh, post and the guy was like, yeah, I made that up. I have no connection to it. So again, we still are like, who created this? We have no real answers. That was ruled out. So everyone was like, okay, well, it must have been the government. And one theory states that the game Polybius was developed by a company called Sinisloschen, which is the German word for sense deleting, which is a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, this is all just so... This this is reminding me a little bit of like the game version of the sh- song Wind of Change where they did a whole podcast about that song and how like the government involvement and who wrote it, was it the actual band or did the government do it to, to like further along a political revolution, like all this sort of stuff where it's kind of like multiple parties have some sort of part in creating it, but no one is basically claiming it completely. So yeah, which makes it seem like there's something to cover up. Right. Yes. 100%. Because they know that they did something wrong. Mm hmm. Some people also are convinced that this is an example of the Mandela effect and that people – that basically it existed in a different timeline and then we jump to a different one and it no longer exists. Which is – just to give a little tiny aside tangent, I saw on TikTok the other day, <laughs> people were like, 
Did you know that the Mississippi River is no longer the longest river in North America? And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, when did another river, like, when was another river formed? And turns out it, people are saying it's a Mandela effect because now when you Google the longest river in North America, it says Missouri River, which I think the Missouri River dumps into the Mississippi River, maybe. Hmm. But didn't we all grow up learning that yeah. it was the Mississippi River? I, I think so. That's what I remember. Huh. I don't know. We're somewhere. We're in some timeline. Yeah. So we're still learning what's new and what's <laughs> old information for us. I know. I feel like there's so many like small things that shift and they also shift without mm -hmm. no – like it's not like a massive thing like, oh, all of a sudden we all live in caves, you know? It's – They're tiny. They're tiny little because things. Because we're, we're not going far from our original bubble, right? Yeah. They're tiny and it's not like our memories are rewritten either, which is so weird. Well, my question is, does everyone jump into the same glitch or new timeline or are we slowly like are, are people on different timelines? I think people are all kind of on different timelines because there are like the spelling of Chick-fil-A, for example, or the monocle on the Monopoly mm -hmm. guy. Those are examples of or Berenstein, Berenstein bears mm -hmm. like there are multiple camps. Like the Chick-fil-A one is a good example because there's like, three or four different spellings that people currently rem remember or sometimes have ev like photo evidence right. of it being something else. So I don't know what it is, but like we're all kind of – either we're all glitching into a new space or we all just like live in this giant simulation and whoever's <laughs> in control of certain towns and certain states yeah. and countries, it, they're just not being the most consistent. We're for sure and we need in to a have simulation. a conversation with them about continuity yeah. and the importance of continuity because we notice. Yeah, it's kind of like the you can't have a Starbucks cup in the back <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Okay, it's kind of like the movie Free Guy. Have you seen that? I've never seen that. Oh, no. it's, I actually really enjoyed it. It's delightful. Um, okay, okay, I'll add it to my list. So basically, there's no way to know for sure if Polybius was real, and if it was, was it created by the CIA? CIA in an effort to continue. Ways to find and manipulate con mind control. But there are a lot of elements about Polybius that are true and that we can verify. So basically, a lot's going around, going on around 1981 that could have contributed. Let's just say this is lore. There's a lot that's going on in this time that could have contributed to it. First, there's MK Ultra, which was very much on the human mind at that time. And secondly, mm -hmm. arcade games were relatively new. And so like we talked about in the beginning, kids were becoming addicted. Some did, in fact, die from heart attacks or seizures or, you know, they were only drinking soda for hours and hours and hours on end. Yeah. They were not taking Horrible. care of their basic human needs. And so a lot of parents and public were very concerned. There was a belief that all arcade games were addictive and basically controlling the minds of the youth. And third, arcade games became a place for drug deals, abductions, and a lot of crime. There were so many kids playing without adult supervision. So there were some child abductions occurring in arcades. There was pickpocketing, <sighs> drug deals. And because of this, the FBI really did set up spy gear in arcades. So the idea of men in black coming and running tests on machines, they truly did implement listening devices and video and cameras into the machines with glass because they could hide it mm. in there to hopefully catch illicit going ons. Yeah. Then in 19 which is it's such like a I feel like that's something where it's like you don't want to be watched and monitored when you don't when you aren't aware mm -hmm. that you are and yet having those measures could save many people's lives. It's like such a yeah. Ugh. Like, unless they're, like, there are security cameras within this premise, like, beware. But if you're just there picking your nose in front of your little pinball machine for 40 hours, like, wouldn't you want to know that someone else is probably staring back at you, maybe? I mean, think about – Well, I'm sure they didn't actually check it unless something happened. Well, they for sure had a watch to see if something happens. Now the government knows that you're a nose picker and that you don't wash your hands. Everyone is. But if you think about how many cameras there are in the world today, I feel like we're just constantly oh, being yeah. watched. Um, CCTV. Someone yeah. is tapping in right now and watching us record the podcast because we're talking about the conspiracy. Mm -hmm. if we go. Or they're just a diehard phantom and they want to hear the stories first. 
I would honestly be so impressed. Thank you for your support. (laughs) If someone does that, if a phantom does that, well, don't. But if you did, kudos. Kudos (sighs) to you. Um, It's going to be a lot of pee breaks you're going to have to sit through and listen (laughs) to. Burps. Messed up Unless that's your thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, Okay. So then in 1983, there was a horror anthology called Nightmares. And it had a vignette about a game that was so addicting and it sucked a young boy into a secret 13th level, which I think is just cool. Now I want to watch that. And then Mm -hmm. in 1984 came the movie The Last Starfighter, which was about a boy so good at video games that the aliens recruit him to wage an actual intergalactic war. So there's all these things that are happening, which if you put them all together, kind of creates the the story of Polybius. Mm -hmm. And then... This all actually made me think, like from the beginning when I started researching it, I was like, this kind of reminds me of Ready Player One, which is a book written by. Wait, that's so funny because I would literally this whole time, I didn't hear the last like 10 words that you said because I was just thinking about Ready Player One. Yeah, right? It's written by Ernest Mm -hmm. Cline. It was turned into a meh movie directed by Steven Spielberg. But Ernest Cline has said that he recalls hearing about Polybius when he was a teenager growing up in central Ohio. And he had heard about Polybius in this like game that existed in Portland that everyone in arcade games or arcade arenas all over were talking about. So despite mm-hmm. the fact that there was no internet, word of mouth of Polybius spread throughout the country. And keep in mind this Which is game, just, it, was, it existed only in a small bubble. And only for two, like one to two months. Wow. So wow. he even cites Polybius as an influence to Ready Player One. So you can decide whether or not you believe in the Polybius conspiracy. The Simpsons have put Polybius the game in the background of scenes. It also appears in episode five of Loki. And Polybius inspired two real video games of the same name. There's a free game based on the rumors, the rumored descriptions of Polybius. And in 2017, Polybius for PlayStation 4 was released. And then there's a game called Rogue Synapse, which is intended to simulate the rumored gameplay of Polybius. But really, there is no information on what the gameplay actually was. Mm -hmm. But if you want to learn more, there is a six-part podcast called The Polybius Conspiracy, and they interview so many people. They go to the Portland, Oregon area. They talk to locals. They basically try to get down to the bottom – get to the bottom of it. And the creators do warn you that the podcast won't give those that are eager for a definitive truth a final answer. But if you're curious to hear people's stories of remembering playing the game or – I don't know, just even the different types of theories and hypotheses of the game. Go check it out. Oh, my gosh. This game is so freaky. I know. It scares me. It makes me – if it was that effective in the small span of time that it existed and inspired so much more in terms of media and gossip and the way that, I guess, mind control tactics are used, it makes me curious now 40 years in the future – what what is that right now for us that we just don't know tiktok because that's pretty tiktok yeah yeah um social media in general but yeah i mean, I mean think I about it's a lot of mind control in i all, mean in a way yeah i mean think about how influenced we are by what we see on social media and then think mm-hmm. about the fact that they know our viewing patterns and can target you that is a bit of mind control. Yes, it totally is. And it's so and it's, subconscious. Like we don't even real I mean we do realize like we can talk about it. We realize. But we don't stop it. We continue to experience it and allow it to happen. Right. Because if you think about it like if we if targeted ads were constantly a miss for us. Like if I constantly was targeted with something that I would never use and had had no appeal to me. It would be less exciting to go probably scroll on Instagram, right? Totally. And stuff like that. So I understand why they do it. Oftentimes, I'm glad in a way that they do it because I get things targeted to me that I was like, (laughs) oh, God, I loved that lamp and I have no Mm -hmm. idea where that's from and I've Googled it and I can't find it. And then from all those searches, the lamp comes up two days later on my Instagram like suggested for you, which yeah, hello, thank you for doing all of my online shopping. But it is really weird, especially when it comes to p- really polarizing and political yes. and medical topics. Correct. That's what's really scary. Correct. If you're going to sling a bag at me or a light fixture, that's fine. But 
otherwise I just feel like it's really scary. Yes. It is funny because I I don't have my own TikTok. I only have the Two Girls, One Ghost TikTok on my phone. Mm -hmm. So I feel like our Two Girls, One Ghost TikTok feed is so – it's just a lot of psychology, (laughs) like makeup tutorials mixed with like little kids Mm -hmm. getting their hair done because I think it's the cutest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And ghost stories. But I feel like – Ghost stories. It's a lot of – child psychology and stuff that one's yeah targeted very much to you yes mine is mine is mostly conspiracy theories and elise myers Mm -hmm. stand-up comedian segments and people thinking that their chicken feed is being poisoned by the government so (laughs) i guess maybe more conspiracies oh but i watch them all oh i'm sure oh my gosh what wait pause okay all over tiktok has just been like a series of videos where people are talking about the weird things that are happening in the sky, weird spaceships that are passing by. And we see them a lot and there's a lot of strange noises. And usually I'm just kind of like, oh, I hope that that's not maybe I, I don't know if hope's the right word, but like I hope that the things that people are posting and and presenting as authentic footage is like, wouldn't that be cool if that really were the case? Yeah. But in the past week, there have been so 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 many videos that have shown basically like a black sphere like it looks like a perfectly round ball zipping by and at first i was like oh this must be a really cool like cgi ai sort of creation but so many people are posting them from all over the world people are going back Hmm. and finding like classified now unclassified or declassified documents from like years ago that the air force had caught something that looks just like that and like all of this stuff then Interesting. Camila Cabello goes on to a late night talk show and shows a video clip that she captured while she was on a family vacation. And it shows – she like slowed it down frame by frame and it shows the same black sphere that everyone keeps seeing zipping by like at a speed so fast that if she didn't really like pay attention, you would just think it was a bug going across. But when you go frame by frame, you realize it's a big black ball and it is up high, high, high in the sky, and it is zipping over the mountain range so incredibly quickly. Then she shows a photo that they'd taken up like a few frames later, and you can see in the distance that black ball has stopped. It is hovering in the air, (gasps) and there's another black ball also hovering just below it. I need to find this. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I mean, it's that's going to be easy to find because just look up Camila Cabello sees a UFO. You're going to find it. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of – I mean, ah! I don't know if I if TikTok is now conditioning us to be either full on conspiracy theorists or if they're trying to, um, you know, ease us into the knowledge that we're not alone. We are Some not people, alone. Think, need a little bit more nudging in that direction so that they don't freak out and scream when the aliens come and slurp us up like soup. What if the aliens but, are the reason we're jumping timelines? What if, or what if they are coming here and slowly changing little things of our society? Just to kind of like start, I love that. Start their infiltration. Intergalactic trolls. <laughs> They're like, let's They're just mess. Trolling all of us. Let's mess with their minds. They're like, look at these dumb little insects on planet Earth. They're just, they cannot. They can't. They're just gonna. Their minds are gonna combust because we changed one letter in their favorite childhood. Yeah, Berenstein Bears, more like Berenstain Bears. Berenstein. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> alien pranks. Someone else's gang initiation, <laughs> and like some some other planet. They're like, yeah, you kind of go play a prank on Earth, and then you're in. We should do. You're in to the Guardians of the Galaxy. There should be a series Tribe. called Alien Pranks. Like I, I would watch that. It's like punked, but alien <laughs> version. Yeah, well, and I think we're the ones being punked here, but totally. That's been another um, tangent of conspiracy alien talk with Two Girls, One Ghost. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Well, you're welcome. Tell us your theories below. Okay. What's your story? Okay. As you were talking, so I had originally picked out a different email, which I'll definitely read soon Mm -hmm. in an upcoming encounters. But as we were reading, I was like, I just need to pull pull up this other email because I guess not as you were reading, but as you were telling me all of this. But I felt like we had one in our inbox that that felt some of the themes that you brought up today. Oh, fun. Okay. This is from Holly, who is from Indianapolis, and it is called Trippy Aliens and Past Life Book Suggestions. Oh. Hi, Ghosties. This is my first time writing in, and after listening to your Men in Black episode, I remembered one of my most vivid alien encounters. Oh. Oh, I love aliens. Ah! I know. 
About seven or so years ago, a good friend of mine and myself decided to take some acid at my house. <laughs> at this time, I was deep into conspiracies and often took myself down rabbit holes of MK Ultra and the Illuminati, cryptids, and the greys. You're in the right place, Same. Holly. <laughs> Except we're not taking acid. This is just like straight from our brains. Yeah. <laughs> All this conspiracy. We were starting to feel the effects and needed to go outside and smoke some of that devil's delicious lettuce. 420 blaze. it okay? It was really late, probably midnight or later. Best time to trip is at night. Fight me. <laughs> so we're standing outside in my driveway. The night was still and quiet and the moon was shining bright. I started to feel really weird. I was feeling and hearing this very low frequency vibration. I asked my friend if he too felt it and he said he did, but he sort of shrugged it off because obviously we were tripping and tripping can get weird if you overthink things too much. Suddenly I looked up and I was absolutely terrified at the sight. I saw three gigantic beings with large heads and eyes and long fingers sort of pull what looked like a blanket down from the stars. Oh. We locked eyes with each other, me and the three beings. They looked shocked that I'd seen them. They looked at each other in disbelief and looked back down at me. I grabbed my friend's shirt as I was looking up, and I think he may have seen it too, or not. He said, I think it's time to go back inside. <laughs> it looked like they were seeing us inside of a tiny little snow globe. Oh. My heart was racing and I couldn't breathe. I was in total shock because I knew I had seen them. That vibration filling my entire body, and it almost was deafening to me. I know I made contact with otherworldly beings, and it is the most badass encounter that has ever happened to me while I was tripping. <laughs> Never saw any men in black, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> also, I was very interested in past life regression at this time and was reading Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. It's a case study of 30 people's regressions. Holy shit, I need to read this. Yeah. If I'm always talking about many lives, many masters, I definitely need to read Journey of Souls. Which, absolutely chilling and amazing. I was just going to say, oh, go for our Patreon live stream, we're doing a, a- In February. In February, we're doing a book club of many lives, many masters. But maybe after that, we yes. do this one, Journey of yes. Souls. That's a that's a really good plan. Absolutely chilling and amazing and brought me to tears many times. So check it out. There's a sequel called Destiny of Souls. But if you want to check that out, you need a good solid background of the first book that goes into deep, deep detail about jobs that we have as souls and soul guides in the spirit world. Whoa. Thanks for reading. See you on the other side. Boo boo. Holly from Indianapolis. Boo boo. Oh, that's cute. Boo boo. Wow. Okay. So lesson here for me is take acid to see aliens and get abducted. <sighs> I mean, but I feel like this is everything we were just talking about, mm -hmm. like simulations and mind control and who's controlling who and who knows what for Holly to see these sort of alien creatures basically doing some sort of like repair or like putting up the next green screen for right. for the day, right? It's Pulling like the Sims. What? Like what if your Sims started looking up at you and were like, hello? I too would be shocked like this yeah. being is. Pulling down what looked like a blanket. That's so weird. Yes. <gasps> but how – my question is, if that's the case, how far does the simulation go? Because we've been into space. Like, we've sent things to other planets. We have people who have gone to the moon and who have, you know, done – have been to space. So does that mean the simulation goes beyond Earth and is the universe the too? Universe. Yeah. You know what also blew my mind the other day is – well, two things. I'm going to tell you two things that seem kind of like high thoughts, but I don't actually smoke. <laughs> so no. just regular – just Corinne thoughts? Regular. <laughs> regular thoughts. Okay. The first isn't my thought, but I saw it – I saw – On TikTok? A theory that was posted on the internet <laughs> on TikTok where the Grinch mm -hmm. lives in Whoville. Mm-hmm. And the Grinch has hair covering his whole body, right? And no one else does. Yeah. These other Who's look completely different. Mm -hmm. And then if we look at the book, Horton Hears a Who. The big elephant, Horton, is hearing all the Who's on this tiny little dandelion flower. Mm -hmm. And all of those Who's are really furry. And so it's thought, the theory basically is that like the wind, when it takes the Who and takes some of the, the like dandelion flower... That maybe the Grinch, when he blew all the way to Whoville, he was from a different, basically like a different planet, oh. but all within this same <gasps> exact 
Ooh. Universe. Wait, that's cool. So he was an alien, but we didn't know it because they were both who's, but they looked very different. They're different types of who's. And so I feel like that could be kind of like applicable to how our possible simulation is. The other thing that I have a really hard time wrapping my mind around is we always talk about how destructive human beings are, right? Like we build so much. We have so much waste. We have so much crap. We have so much plastic. Mm -hmm. How did we get it? Like we... Earth is Earth, right? Mm-hmm. We're not pulling any materials from other worlds in. Right. So we're making everything from what was already here. Mm-hmm. So does it equal out? Like, are we taking just as much as we're building? Well, I mean... Like, do we still have the same amount of stuff just in different forms? No, I mean, think about it. We're completely depleting our Earth. We're destroying it. So I... Yeah, but I'm talking about like actual, like my like my couch right here. Mm-hmm. Did Was it like a basically an equal number of... Mi- actual material that was taken from earth to create this couch like i'm just trying to in my mind i'm trying to weigh the scale of like how much we destroyed to how much we've created versus i mean i know we're destroying the planet that's i'm a huge climate change i mean it's kind uh, of believer (laughs) yeah i am curious because it's like that podcast how how did this get made or like i i just have no concept how i built this yeah how about this i have no concept of how a couch is made so like i don't know that i have the answer to oh this is how many resources yeah we took to make it like it's easier when i look at my wood table because i'm like okay that came from a tree right right but like when i look at a skyline of skyscrapers that just i'm like wait (laughs) <laughs> I need to go back to childhood when um wh- oh my god why am I blinking on his name the won't chippy my neighbor oh um Mr. Rogers I need Mr. Rogers to come sit down with me and put his his VHS tape in and show me how Crayola crayons are made and how everything else is made I you, need that again you make a good point like how much metal is there in the world and like metal doesn't like I get with plants and trees, like it's easy to plant new plants and new trees. Like there's seeds. Yeah, we destroy it. We grow it back. Right. But hopefully more than we take, but we don't. But the hope is there. We know how that works. Right. But metal, it's not like you can regrow yes. metal. And the this is, wow. Okay. My brain's hurting. See? <laughs> this is exactly where it was because I had the thought when I was driving down a highway and on the side of the highway were just like all these ugly concrete cylinders that they had basically put up, not even cylinders. It was just like a concrete wall that they put up to to stop, I guess, probably a neighborhood from seeing the highway. Mm-hmm. But I was like, Ugh, why would we ever decide to put that up? Why didn't we just put like a thick row of trees up? That would have been so much more beautiful and probably for sound, it would have been more effective anyway. And that's when I was thinking about like, where did we even get this many concrete Okay, I just Googled what is, how is concrete made? It's a mixture of Portland cement. Well, what's that? And water to make a paste. And then it's mixed with sand, gravel, or crushed stone. So what's cement? How is cement made? Okay, But then it's like, that's sort of like the thing too, where I'm thinking, okay, so if we take... If we take 70 buckets of sand, how long is it going to take for that sand to replenish itself? So like our, where are we on the scale of what's been like replaced and what's been made or what's been depleted and what's been destroyed? Right. Where is the scale? That's where my mind is. Okay. And cement, just to finish this train of thought. So everyone, we're not leaving you on a cliffhanger. Cement is manufactured through a controlled chemical combination of calcium, silicon, aluminum, iron, and other ingredients. So, And it's just also like, how do we form or not? And whatever form something is or not, like it's all made up of atoms. Let's go down to that level. Does Earth always have the same number of atoms? I don't know. If we don't actually think about stuff as stuff at all, but just like the actual particles, that's what's blowing my mind. It's like, are we growing? Are we lessening? Or do we always have this basically like near the same amount and we're just constructing things and moving things into different shapes. And then like, where do we find the elements? Like, how do we create them? Like that to me, like, how do we extract them? Yeah. Like I understand like (sighs) combining certain things to create other things, but how do you, it is so bewildering. Like obviously we we don't see particles blast each other. Because we don't see oxygen but we're breathing it. We need it. It's how we, mm-hmm. and then we are putting out carbon dioxide, but right. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. We're, we're breathing out carbon dioxide. Right. The plants 
consume it and give us back oxygen. But like, we don't see any of that. It just is happening. So how do you collect that? And how is there oxygen in my apartment with all the windows and the doors closed? Someone who is a chemist. How am I not in a vacuum seal? (laughs) Someone who's a chemist, please tell us. God, please help. (laughs) Please help. This is why we have a podcast about the paranormal and we are not (laughs) running the world. (laughs) It made me realize I should have asked way more follow-up questions in science class, though. You know, you learn about something, you're like, oh, oh, cool. But then, like, I need to go a few more questions deeper. I also think and I didn't. So now I'm just in high school. Did you ever do this? We create we made candy canes in chemistry class from like we made chemical reactions to make candy canes. No. And I'm I, I like thinking about that now, I was like, that is so freaking cool, but I didn't understand. Witchcraft. Yeah. Right? If if someone from the 1600s had come to this current time and watched you just like concoct some sort of cauldron bubble whatever and then you're like candy and hand it to them yeah oh my god which which oh my gosh see it's just strange it's like we always had all these things right and so how do we what is life what is it i don't know wow okay um let us know if you know anything about anything and uh or at least if you know about paranormal things because uh we, we know you all are at least a little bit haunted. So email us your mm-hmm. encounters, your experiences, and also email us if you know anything about the conspiracies and the science that we were just wondering about to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for uh, being fellow triangle cult <laughs> lost pyramid schemers in the sauce with us. <laughs> and we love you. And thank you to our editors at Upfire Digital, Aiden Manning, and the whole team. Thank you. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.